Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. It is Wednesday as we record this. If you're listening to it on the day we release, I hope your week is going well. We've got a pretty cool story to share with you once again today, and we head to a magnificent part of the world. I've never been there, but it is definitely on my list of places where I want to go, and the the good news is there's an Ironman event there, so uh, it's uh, another good reason to go. But uh, I live in a pretty special place in Cape Town in South Africa. It's uh, magnificent. It's gorgeous. It's just stunning uh, weather today. Just so you know, it's uh, middle of May, which technically should be our winter, and we are going through a pretty bad drought at the moment. So winter's normal. Our, our sort of rainfall period. We haven't had any rain. I know there's some scheduled for tonight, but as I look out my window, not a cloud in the sky. Absolutely gorgeous. I'm sitting in flip-flops and uh, short sleeves and just got back from a run. So, yeah, life is good at the moment. But our guest today lives uh, pretty much off the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Uh, does a lot of his work on that reef as well. It's a tough life, but I guess someone's got to do it. And uh, as I mentioned too, they've got an Ironman race on their doorstep, Ironman Cairns. So uh, a wonderful place to live, I have no doubt. And it is high up on my list of places I want to visit. I think uh, diving that uh, Great Barrier Reef would definitely be uh, something I think everyone should do. Uh, before they kick the bucket but uh, yeah we're going to be touching base with Damien Code today to talk a little bit about his story and uh, his journey to the Ironman World Championships on the big island before we do that though been getting tons of great feedback uh, via various platforms on social media and email uh, of uh, yeah, just triathletes from around the globe. We're really enjoying the platform. Thanks for, for your feedback. I, I love hearing it. Uh, keep them coming. The email is brad at thekonaedge.com. That comes straight into my inbox. And if you'd like to touch base on, on Facebook, the URL to get to is quite long. So the easiest way to do it is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash Facebook. It'll take you straight to that private Facebook group. Just uh, request to join. I'll add you and uh, get involved and uh, start chatting. Very, very cool group of triathletes in there, let me tell you. So that's thekonaedge.com forward slash Facebook. I also released uh, a podcast on our exclusive patron feeds uh, a little bit earlier on today. If you're not a patron of the Cone Edge, I'd really appreciate it if you would consider supporting the Cone Edge and, and keeping the lights on. But we've got some very exciting developments in the pipeline. I mentioned it to our patrons uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, that I'm chatting to someone about doing something. And it looks like it's going to happen. So if you want to find out more about it, uh, I'm super stoked. You have no idea how excited I'm about this. And there's something else on top of it that was added this morning. Uh, so go and check out that uh, patron-only or exclusive patron feed. Just head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash support. That's where you can uh, pledge your support. Literally, a dollar a month uh, is uh, what you can start it. So obviously, you can do more if you uh, feel the need. But uh, yeah, definitely helps keep the lights on. And I appreciate all the support of all the patrons uh, who are part of the show and keeping the show alive. So thank you for that. But uh, yeah, we're going to be chatting to, to Damien in just a moment. For that, though, let's take a look at our coach's call. time for today's coaches corner if you're an athlete looking for a coach it doesn't matter where you are in the world we've got access to some of the best triathlon and ironman coaches around if you'd like to find out more uh, hook up with one of our coaches whether you need help with a swim bike run or nutrition all you have to do is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching you can get all the details there check out all the coaches that uh, we've got access to 
And don't forget too, if you are a coach and you would like to get access to uh, the podcast and get uh, a bit of a plug on the podcast, all you have to do is head over to that same URL, okay? It's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can get all the details there. So that's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Straight into today's episode, and we head to Australia now to catch up with Damien Code. Damien, welcome onto the Cone Edge. Thanks for having me, Brad. Damien, your sort of entry into the sport's been quite an interesting one because you live in Cairns, which is, I don't know if that's a blessing in disguise or if it's not, because you, you're literally on the doorstep of, uh, of an Ironman race. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky to live up here in Cairns, and then when. Uh, um, just, just the place itself with the, the beautiful scenery and uh, the people up here, and then of course with the Ironman event being up here, um, yeah, really blessed to have that right in our backyard. So yeah, loving it. And and that was essentially your first introduction to 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 Ironman, and, and having it on your your doorstep, you you volunteered before you you started racing yourself. Tell us a little bit about your your first sort of Ironman experience. Yeah, uh, that was an opportunity that arose through uh, my boss uh, at work. He approached me. He knew I um, I loved watching Iron Man. At uh, I loved running. I loved uh, trail running. So uh, he had an opportunity to volunteer himself. Um, so he asked if I wanted to, and uh, we had a good a good gig as the the, the cyclists that. Um, uh, ride with the lead runners or the lead um, uh, Ironmen and half Ironmen and women. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to be the rider for the lead 70.3 um, athlete that was uh, at back in 2013 was uh, Sam Warner as she come off the bike out of transition onto the run. And, yeah, um, it was quite an inspirational experience to ride um, next to her or behind her, sometimes in front of her and um, see what she was able to do given that she just uh, had a baby six months uh, earlier in the year. It's incredible. Was it on that bike ride you decided, you know what, I want to do this? Oh, definitely. Um, I think um, back then the race was uh, the race was designed so that you ran from out of town and you ran into town before doing a loop for the full iron man and then for the half you just ran into town and uh cycling in front of sam uh coming into the lined streets full of locals and uh family of all the contestants cheering uh i i think i may have gotten carried away thinking they were cheering me on so um uh, I don't know if I rode ahead of her a bit too far, but there was an urge to go faster, even though I was just a volunteer. But I can tell you that uh, as soon as I finished, I, uh, I gave her a hug and promised myself that I'd be here as a, as an athlete the following year. And and that's the way it played out. I mean, that's an that's an incredible experience that I don't think too many people get to to experience. I think a lot of a lot of Ironman athletes are exposed to the sport as a volunteer, and it might be working at an aid station or in the in the changing tent or, or whatever it is. But being on that bicycle up front, I, I mean, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It it must be pretty cool. Yeah, um, I I think it's on a 
being my first experience of Ironman, um, I still equate it with being as good as actually finishing an Ironman myself. Just that I was totally taken aback by the um, by the atmosphere and just the amount of participation and um, uh, cheering that every athlete got. Not just the professionals, not just the the leaders, but um, just every single athlete that participated. So, um, yeah, it's just a great, it's a great um, atmosphere and environment. Yeah, I, I want to urge people, if you've never volunteered at an Ironman, like maybe you've got an injury and you, you can't train for a race for whatever reason, just go and, and go and offer your services. I was lucky enough uh, a couple of years ago to, to be the race announcer alongside Paul Kay at Ironman South Africa. And it was the most incredible experience. I loved it, but... I loved racing more because I love that feeling. And, and I can tell you, being on that red carpet for eight or nine hours, just welcoming everybody home and, and almost experiencing their finish with them, I, I get exactly what you're saying, Damien. It's, it, it does equate to you feeling it and, and having that high. I mean, that's why I've got so much respect for guys like Paul Kay and, and Mike Riley who, who have to lift themselves week in and week out to do that because just, it's, it's such an emotional drain and, and, and you're on such a high. And then when you finish it, to come down is ridiculous. I mean, it's like you're finishing a race, which is uh, which is something special. But let's take a step back and, and talk about your sporting pedigree, so to speak. W- were you pretty active and sporty growing up? Uh, yeah, Brad, I, I did love my sport. Um, I played a lot of different sports. I was a, a swimmer from a young age and um, swam competitively from when I was uh, 10 or 11 um, at uh, sort of state level and then uh, my parents moved. Uh, we moved to the country and unfortunately um, I, I had been invited to go to the Institute of Sport in Canberra but um, my parents wanted me to go with them uh, to the country so that opened up. I stopped swimming and uh, it opened up AFL football, basketball, tennis all these other individual and team sports, um, which, you know, I have uh, obviously, uh, you know, I loved. I made a lot of good friends. Uh, I still love those sports. I don't get to play them these days uh, just uh, from an, uh, an injury uh, aspect. But, yeah, um, footy, basketball, tennis, uh, any any sport I could play uh, that, that was around at the time I took up. I was addicted to anything, whether it was a ball sport or uh, something that um, required um, endurance. I always ran um, every day um, just because it was an instinctive thing for me to do, whether I was uh, um, training for um, a, a game coming up or whether I was out of season, I always had the need to go f- uh, running. As as far as the other sports, I mean, you mentioned you were a fairly competitive swimmer, but were you were you any good at the others? I mean, as far as being good, you obviously were competitive as well. I mean, that that I think goes without saying. In in order to to be top in any sport, you have to have that competitive streak. Yeah, you're right. I think it, it, the underlying, um, I guess, characteristic is the character is the um, competitive streak I've always had in me. So, yeah, I played in a few premierships uh, f- for football in, in um, under 16, under 18s. 
um, and a few premierships for basketball and uh, A-grade in tennis. And so I love ball sports and I really uh, enjoy the, the team aspect. But I think what got me through um, being reasonable at all of them was uh, um, my competitiveness just kept me in my determination. And so that, that transferred into I was always quick and I just ran nonstop no matter whether it was basketball or football or on the court with tennis. So I think it was uh, certainly my endurance or stamina and uh, and mixed with the competitive streak um, that um, allowed me to celebrate uh, a few wins with my mates, yeah. Coming from a, a bit of a team sport background too, where you have played those, is is that one thing you miss about triathlon? Because it is very individual. Although you can be part of a, a club and and have people around you, but on on race day itself, it's it's about you and and what you can do. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think on the day itself, um, everything is uh, it's entirely up to you. Everything is within your control, and that's what I like about the sport is that you have control over a large, uh, well, everything that you can do. Obviously, there are things you have no control over, whether it be, um, uh, you know, unexpected mechanical breakdowns or weather. But at the end of the day, you um, you can control a lot of it. And um, I really do enjoy um, competing out there on my own for long periods of time. I enjoy training on my own, but having said that, Look, I've, I've got great friends that um, I've met um, through the sport. Um, my partner, I met her primarily through the sport and I think that's uh, more than anything, the sport's given me that more than anything. You talk about meeting your partner through the sport. At least your partner then knew what they were getting themselves in for because I think uh, a lot of people uh, come to the sport, they, they're already in an established relationship and, and all of a sudden they get sucked into this cult and uh, they uh, their life changes and it's uh, it's quite interesting. As far as getting that balance right, talk to me about work-wise and, and, and family life and, and, and how you juggle juggle everything you do. What do you, what do, you do for a living, Damien? Um, well, I work for um, a, a large diving operation up here in Cairns, uh, ProDive Cairns. Um, I've been with them um, since about 2011. Um, I've worked as an instructor, a skipper, um, the HR manager, and uh, during the, the peak of my, well, during most of my Ironman competition as a marine operations manager. So, I was responsible for, you know, just making sure the boats are maintained and um, the, we had refits and refurbishments on the vessels. We have three liverboard boats um, that take people out to the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so balancing that work, it was, uh, you know, that I had a, a work phone with me 24-7 so I could get calls any time of the day or night. So it was always tricky um trying to work out my training schedule but um since the beginning uh, or the end of last year the beginning of this year i've taken a step back from managing to working in the prodive cans retail store so i have uh fixed hours that are predictable i um finish my day and um can forget about um any any potential problems with work 
Uh, so, yeah, I can schedule my training a lot better, uh, get more sleep, a lot less stress. And so I think the balance is there for me to now move forward and um, really try and convert that into some more performances, yeah. That, that's the key, isn't it? You, you mentioned balance, and I think that's one thing that a lot of age groupers, particularly age groupers who are trying to get better and, and qualify for, for the world champs, that's something they really struggle with. Yeah, look, uh, I, I am in complete admiration for those age top age group, or well, any age group really, that have um, have a family to take care of as well and uh, juggling their work demands. Um, I, I'm in complete awe of them uh, for just finishing an Ironman, let alone those that are competing at a top level. So my hat's off, always off to them. Um and so uh, a huge amount of respect goes there. Yeah, and it's interesting. You talk about the, the change in work situation. I think uh, a lot of people, you, you, you can, you, not that you necessarily can control your, your sort of work environment, but I think a lot of employers today are, are a lot more open to the fact of, of allowing people to work remotely as long as the work still gets done, which you can then, you can then sort of schedule training around. And, and, and that time that you would maybe spend commuting, you, you could then – essentially spend training even if you do it a day or two a week uh so yeah it, it's always worthwhile sitting down and looking and and trying to simplify your life essentially like uh and and, yeah. and especially when it comes to to work yeah I, I was i was extremely lucky my my immediate boss uh at prodive cans is an ex uh, ironman competitor he's incredibly sympathetic and understanding uh of uh what my um, work demand well of what my um, training demands were outside of work so he did give me a great deal of freedom and um, I think that really made a big difference uh, to helping me to being able to compete well so a lot of gratitude there but um, ultimately I think you've really got to decide just um, how committed you want to be what you really want how bad you want it and then make the changes, get that balance, and like you said, sit down and and work out what you need to do. And, and the truth of the matter is, you can't do everything. So, so certain things do need to be sacrificed, and it might mean drinks down the pub with your mates uh, twice a week. That that might be it. And uh, and if you're willing to give that up, then that's cool. But Damien, let's talk about racing and and your your first Ironman experience. Can you? I mean, uh, your first one's something you I don't think you ever forget. T- tell me a little bit about your first one. Yeah, it was uh, Ironman Cairns, uh, 2014, and uh, I from it's a bit of a blur uh, apart from the finishing shoot, but um, I I loved it. Um, uh, it rained. Um, it uh, was windy. Um, the swim went forever and ever. Um, but uh, my nutrition-wise, I think I had two or three um, long toilet stops. Um, but the local support, and as I mentioned before, when I was a volunteer, just this time as a local competitor now, um, you know, I just made everything worth it. And uh, by the end of it, uh, I just I felt like uh, a whole new world had uh, opened up for me and it was going to be the start of another big adventure in my life yeah it was awesome how, how did you go in that first one from a, a time perspective oh not too bad i think i did bang on 10 hours and um i had absolutely no idea what 
sort of uh, time to expect. There was really no plan apart from, um, you know, the uh, the advice I was getting from others and what I knew I, I had within me. And um, so I was stoked to, to finish really and uh, I thought, you know, if I could just get rid of those toilet stops then uh, maybe I could, you know, get somewhere with this sport as far as an age grouper goes. So, yeah. I'm I'm having a quiet chuckle to myself because I can hear the eyeballs rolling through through the 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 podcast of 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 somebody listening to this and going. Gee, he had three long t- toilet stops and he and he finished bang on ten hours. Uh, I get lots of emails, Damon, of of guys and girls who who are chasing the Kona dream, but their their first one maybe wasn't close to ten hours. Maybe it was uh, thirteen or fourteen hours. But I've also heard lots of stories of people who finished in those sort of times and went on to qualify. So. Just because you you didn't go ten hours in your first one doesn't mean you can't get to the Big Island. Oh, that's right. You know, um, there's so many variables. Believe me, though, apart from those toilet stops, I, I didn't have anything else left in me. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> there was nothing left to give, and maybe they helped me to go faster in other parts of the race because uh, I was actually having a rest during those stops. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, it's true. Um, times mean nothing really. Uh, conditions, who turns up on the day, um, what happens to all those other individuals, um, you've just got to give it your best shot and um, ignore the time. I did New Zealand Ironman recently, and you're probably aware of the conditions on the day. Um, really, you just had to take your just turn your watch off um, and, and worry more about your pacing and handling the conditions than any sort of times. So, yeah, um, there's a big range um, in the times between, uh, between races and even the same race on different years. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that first one, what, what was the biggest lesson you learnt out of that first one? Oh, the biggest lesson. Um, that's a good question. I think... Um, Biggest lesson I learned um, was uh, was that I could do it. Um, I think that's the first lesson. Um, I mean, I'd go in it to see what would happen. So the lesson taught there wasn't a negative lesson; it was a positive lesson. So it was telling me, "Yep, you're uh, you're good to go for next year." And I guess the second lesson was uh, just to be more careful about what I eat before the race and during the race, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. When was the seed for, for Kona planted uh, in you, Damien? Um, I'd, uh, look, the second time I raced Cairns, it was, um, I have to say, I was really just, I remember running with someone in my age group about halfway through the run and he's, I didn't ask him, but he told me that, I was now sixth and he was seventh and I just remember punching the air thinking, yes, I've made the top ten. This is good for me. Um, It's, you know, let's just finish it now and I'm absolutely stoked. So I finished it and someone uh, called me and said I come third. So um, I guess there was no intention of making Kona until perhaps the following year, but um, it came incidentally just because I was focused on what I was doing and uh, um, it happened a bit sooner than I expected. So, yeah, but after that, 
certainly once you've done one Kona, well, the seed's well and truly um, blossoming and there's no stopping, uh, I guess, the watering of that seed ever since. Ironmans in general are pretty special. You, your first one you've mentioned, and I think anyone who's listening to this probably feels the same once you've done it. Uh, it's just that first one never goes away. But your, your first Kona is is pretty special as well. And t- tell me a little bit about that that first experience on the big island. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you hear so much about it. And um, as uh, people that either haven't been that talk about it or people that have been once, twice, 10, 15 times that you hear more from about it and uh, you've really just got to make it your own experience and um, just take each day as it comes. And I had no, absolutely no expectation, as I'm sure a lot of first-timers there, you know, they just want to enjoy the experience. And um, I remember um, it was, yeah, 2015 and getting onto the run and I remember thinking, at the start of the run, because um, it was the it was obviously a very hot year, uh, but that was, you know, I just thought that was a standard, you know, weather pattern for or standard race day weather-wise for Kona. I remember starting the run and thinking, this is ridiculous. Like um, I live in Cairns. I live in a humid climate. I've, I've trained in heat before, but this is next level. And I just remember thinking, just make the ne- the aid station and um, so I ran all the aid stations, but each time I was just literally running for the next one and I just could not believe how hot it was. And anyway, I, I finished and um, I was so delighted to hear someone say that it was one of the hottest uh, temperature or humidity days um, in Kona for several years. So, you know, I was just thinking that was a stock standard day and uh, thinking this is unbelievable. So I was quite happy to, you know, um, be told that it was a, um, a hot day. But, yeah, I was happy to finish and it was an unforgettable experience for sure. What what makes that race special? What I mean, there's there's something about it. It's it's mystical. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it and it scares me. If someone who lives in Cairns and trains in Cairns says Kona's hot, uh, I think uh, everyone else is probably quivering in their boots. But what, what makes Kona so special? Uh, I think it's a combination of uh, the terrain. Um, it's it's heaven and hell. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's beautiful, but it's deadly. It's um, it's uh, something that is difficult to get your mind around. And you know, you hear a lot of uh, professionals and top age groupers talk about you know the not not trying to compete against the island and just respecting it and when it's your day and you've done everything that you know it'll um, you'll have a good you'll have a good race and um, uh, I used to just think that was all you know philosophical talk and you know people making it sound bigger than what it was but um, it's it's um, having done it a couple of times now and heading there this year I I nothing could be true it really does it is a mystical magical place and the people was the other thing that live there and um get behind the uh the race not just the people that live there but the volunteers that come over from you know mainland uh america and other countries that's um 
it's it's an event to for me it's like going to an olympics and watching um a well-run event you know it's just incredible you're in one of the most competitive age groups as well, uh, and and that makes makes for some interesting racing on the Big Island too. I, I say one of the most competitive. I mean, all the age groups on 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 the island are, are competitive, but uh, the ones between forty and fifty are generally pretty pretty fast. Uh, your your thoughts on those two age groups? Yeah, yeah. When I, I you know I started in the forty to forty four age group, and when I I went up last year to the next uh, age group forty five forty nine, and I thought. You know, things should get a bit easier, potentially a bit easier. But no, the SL buggers, they're even more competitive and just as determined. And, um, you know, they, there's a lot that take it very seriously. Um, and you really have to um, go about things almost in a professional manner in order to um, be competitive. And yeah. It's it's tough out there. There's some really good athletes in that age group, and being an endurance sport, um, there's some tough minds that you're battling. And normally, that used to be a strength of mine that my mind could battle younger, you know, competitors. Um, but the guys in my age group, that's uh, we're on an, they're on an equal footing, and their minds are just as tough. So. You've just got to do the work, yeah. So it's um it's quite scary sometimes to see how good some of them are. Absolutely. What what have you still got? Have you got unfinished business in Kona? I mean, what's what's the ultimate goal? What do you what do you have? You had the perfect race there. Is it still still out there? Is that what you're chasing? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, perfect race. It's almost. A, <laughs> Is there such a thing? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, definitely, Brad. Um, yeah, I think last year um, I was certainly happy with my time. I was happy with my place. Um, I was hoping to maybe, you know, get in the top 20. That was uh, a goal. Uh, so to get in the, the top 10 and finish ninth, I was, you know, very happy with. Um, but, you know, being competitive, uh, we always like to look back and, uh, analyze the race and yeah there's certainly places where um, there's always you know someone like myself room to improve I'm still relatively I might be old but I'm still relatively new to the sport so I'm still sort of getting my head around it um, the bike is certainly a, a big aspect of mine that I've been working on to try and uh, develop strength just to uh, you know shave a few minutes uh, obviously the swim um, you know, I, I think I can uh, be uh, smarter and uh, build my uh, endurance strength on the swim. I've always been a fast, short leg swimmer, but it's just the longer distance for the swim. So, yeah, that's certainly another aspect I've worked on. And the whole time, just maintaining that um, the finishing leg with the run, just maybe uh, working on just uh, shaving a couple of minutes there as well. So, I've always finished Kona. Uh, the last few kilometres running very strong. So I, th I think that my race planning can um, be strategized just a little bit better. Not that I think I've done anything wrong so far. Um, you're always learning. That's it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and as far as the the things you you you're working on right now, you mentioned your bike, and and if you look at your splits, I mean your 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 run times right up there. If you look at the, the top ten of the age group, I think there are only two guys quicker than you in in that top ten on on the run. But your bike is is I don't want to say it's letting you down, but that is the the, the discipline that's a lot slower than the others. Is is that where you spend most of your time and 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 focus? Yeah, that's true, Brad. Um, I think this. Uh this year, I have, or since Hawaii last year, I have, uh, you know, uh, since my rest, I've really been uh, focusing on uh, putting in uh, more quality hours and mileage on the bike. Running, I know what pain is in a run. I'm just still learning how to ride. So just still learning about what is a manageable threshold for me on the bike. Um, it's It's a a huge learning area for me. So I think that I, I can certainly ride better um, whilst maintaining the run. It's just learning more about myself. And that's, of course, what you love about the sport is, you know, you're learning about yourself all the time in a, in a race. So, yeah, for sure, the bike's a focus. You mentioned as well getting older. Not that you're old by any stretch of the imagination. You're still in your in your forties. But uh, what are some of the struggles that come with that? Obviously, as you get older and uh, things tend to to start slowing down, what are, what are some of the struggles there for you? Um, I think uh, certainly uh, I've been fortunate um, as far as injuries go. Um, I, I wouldn't say I've had any major injuries that have disrupted any preparations. But um, I think you've got to be pretty lucky not to have any niggles and things that can develop into injuries. So I'm very fortunate. My, my partner, she's a physio as well, and um, I can discuss things with her. Um, but uh, after my first Cairns Ironman, my first Ironman race, um, you know, I, I was very much aware of, you know, how I pulled up and I started an intense sort of um, stability um, uh, muscle sort of building um, exercises for stability um, for a few months before I even started running or riding again. And so I think, yeah, um, certainly my recoveries and stretching, rolling, massage, uh you know, there's probably just as much, if not more of that going on than any time on the road or treadmills or trails or in the pool, that's for sure. What's what's left to achieve? What are, what are you chasing? Um, I think what's left to achieve is, uh, I can't say the perfect race because I think that's, uh, that can psychologically um send people to their grave prematurely trying to get the perfect race. I think um, as long as you, nothing's ever going to go completely perfectly because um, the mind's a greedy thing sometimes in a race. If you feel good, it's very hard not to uh, want to just push it that extra 1% or 2%. But I think if I can stick to uh, within a, my limitations is of uh, – of my plans and things like that. I think if I can make a top five then in Hawaii, then um, I think I'd be more than satisfied, Brad.
Sounds brilliant. Well, Damien, thank you for your time and sharing your journey into the sport with us. I look forward to getting you on to talk a little bit about the individual disciplines and some of the things you're working on and what you've learned. And uh, we'll save that for another day, though. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time. Thanks, Brad. Cheers. What a cool story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Damien. Looking forward to uh, catching up uh, in a week or so's time to chat a little bit about your swim. But before we go, a quick uh, iTunes review for you. We're getting lots of those in too, and that uh, really does help us. One in from Listermista in the United Kingdom. Uh, five stars saying, Brad Brown's The Kona Edge is informative and inspirational in equal measures. Brown's interviews uh, give a rare insight into how mere mortals in the triathlon world make it to Hawaii. The production quality of TKE easily matches the strength of its content and will leave you trying to work out just how he manages to publish so many episodes. Keep it going, BB. Listen, mister. I have secret powers, uh, and I don't train as much as I should. So uh, that's why we have the patron uh, sort of page, because if I can get some help, I can actually employ someone, so I don't have to do all the work. So uh, that's what uh, I'm hoping we can do with uh, Patreon. And we're almost halfway there to me being able to cover the costs and then look at uh, possibly getting someone in to help, which will help me hugely so that I can become an athlete and uh, no longer be a fatlete. So that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to catching up again tomorrow. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge. 